0: what's up everybody you are listening to the 10 after 7 podcast with your host Michael Cody Stevenson it's January of 2021 which is an accomplishment in itself that only means that we survived the year 2020 we all deserve a round of applause for that one but I must say don't think for a second that on this podcast, we're just going to dismiss the year 2020. Let's not forget that the Los Angeles Dodgers became World Series champions in the year 2020, and Clayton Kershaw finally got the long-awaited ring on his finger, the greatest left-handed pitcher of his generation. He deserved a ring more than any other athlete in any other sport. And then the Los Angeles Lakers went into the Orlando bubble and won a 17th franchise championship. Led by LeBron James and Anthony Davis. So Los Angeles rose to the top of the top of the sports world. title town, baby. And you know what happened in 2020? The mighty have fallen. Tom Brady finally had enough. He said, I'm out. I'm done with the New England Patriots. I've won my six Super Bowls. I'm taking my talents to Tampa because I just think that this New England Patriots organization is headed in the wrong direction. And you still heard Boston fans chirp. They still had the audacity to chirp after losing the greatest quarterback of all time. They said, we got the greatest coach of all time. We sang Cam Newton. We're still going to make the playoffs. And you know what happened? That New England Patriots team was a sub-500 team and missed out on the playoffs for the first time since 2007, and we ain't hearing shit out of those Boston accents now. And that wasn't even the worst thing to happen in the year 2020 for Boston fans. Remember in the early days of 2020 when the Boston Red Sox were cheap and decided we're going to trade away our superstar right fielder and Moogie Betts to the Los Angeles Dodgers because we simply don't want to pay them. We don't have the money. But on this podcast, we're forever thankful for the Boston Red Sox organization for that one. So as Los Angeles is on top of the sports world, the Boston-Massachusetts sports scene is in the shitter, and it looks to be that way for the next decade plus. And that right there deserves a round of applause. No, we will not forget the year 2020 on this podcast. Let's get started. This is episode number 48 of the 10 After 7 podcast, and I'm not going to lie. I usually could think of the greatest number 48 that pops in my head, but not this time. I had to pull up an article by Bleacher Report that goes through every number in sports history and says, who's the greatest to wear? And how dare I not think of this when the number 48 popped in my head? I'm ashamed. The greatest number 48 in sports history, the number 48 car, Jimmy Johnson. And that's the only NASCAR reference you're going to get on this podcast for the rest of the year. Let's get that out of the way. This week, we're here to talk about one of the best sports weekends of the year, NFL Wild Card Weekend. We get playoff games on Saturday, get playoff games on Sunday, and it's our sports just how we like them. Win or go home, survive in advance. We get to watch the cream rise to the top, and we're just a couple of weeks away from watching the Super Bowl at our friend's house with potato chips and onion dip, with all the beers flowing, and on that Monday when we start our diets, we're feeling good and also sad at the same time that football season's over. But this week... They're deeming it super wild card weekend because the NFL decided to add a couple of playoff teams to the mix. So we get two triple headers, three games on Saturday, three games on Sunday. And when we think we've had enough football on Monday, when we're a little bit hungover and still bloated, we get to flip on ESPN and watch the national championship game between the Ohio State Buckeyes and the Alabama Crimson Tide. That's right, the hated ones. And on this podcast, I'm going to pick winners of the six wild card games, and my picks will always hold value. If anything is going to stay the same in 2021, it's that my picks hold value because they're just flat out shitty. I feel like you could pull up 100 different podcasts, and they're going to give you some winners, some losers. You're going to win some money here and there, but on this podcast, you're always going to win money because when I tell you to hammer a team six and a half, you better go the other way. The worst place to be is in the middle, and I'm down at the bottom as the worst guy to give you picks week in and week out. So New, new Year, same old me. And yes, I'm a big dry January guy. I must say that. I'm on day seven right now. I feel like I'm going to get to double digits every other year. I don't think I made it to double digits. So let's go. Let's begin with the first game on Saturday morning between the 7th seed Indianapolis Colts going into Buffalo to take on the 2 seed Buffalo Bills. I was bullish on the Bills all year. I said, you know what? I can't trust Josh Allen. All this MVP talk, he's only done it a couple weeks. Let's slow down. He's always trying to make things happen. He really can't hang on to the football. He's turnover prone. I'm not going to put my faith in the Buffalo Bills. But then they started to roll off some wins. Obviously, we know about the acquisition when they picked up Stephon Diggs. It ends up that he was the NFL leader in receptions and yards this year. He was the security blanket that Josh Allen needed, and Josh Allen took that step. Because after 17 weeks, Josh Allen is being mentioned in the same breath as Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes for the MVP award, and he deserves to be there. And if there's one stat that you need to know going into this weekend about this first game, hear me out the Bills are the fourth team over the last 40 seasons to enter the playoffs on an eight-game cover streak. Eight-game cover streak. We've said it many times on this podcast before, good teams win, great teams cover. The Bills are a great team. If you go the other way after hearing that stat, you should no longer pick games. That's all you need to know. And all you need to see is probably the video that surfaced on Twitter earlier on Thursday morning when the Buffalo Bills were dancing all over the football field, filling themselves. They were loose as ever. And they were loose because they know on Saturday morning they are going to kick the shit out of the Indianapolis Colts and that minus six and a half Bills hammer it home. This is what's going to happen. Yes, we know the Colts have a pretty electric rookie running back in Jonathan Taylor, but they're not going to be able to use them because the Bills are going to go up early in this one. And the Indianapolis Colts just can't run the ball because they're going to need to throw it with Phillip Rivers to get back into the game. And we know when Phillip Rivers throws the football one too many times, there's going to be multiple interceptions in this game. The Buffalo Bills defense is going to be more than happy to watch Phillip Rivers drop back in the pocket and throw that ball over the football field because they are going to have many of opportunities to come up with the INT. So Bills are going to win this one by two-plus touchdowns. I'm telling you right now now and i think it's actually going to be a collision course when the buffalo bills meet up in the afc championship against the kansas city chiefs and our law questions will be answered about josh allen can he go toe-to-toe with patrick mahomes let's move on to the game that follows that one the six seed los angeles rams are going into seattle to take on russell wilson and the seattle seahawks Seattle, usually known for their home field advantage. You know no fans are getting into this game. So they lose out on that. And the questions being asked in LA this week are, is Jared Goff healthy enough after getting thumb surgery a couple of weeks ago to play in this game? These two teams are very familiar with each other. They play each other twice a year. This year, they split those two games. They played in week 16 when Jared Goff went down. Seattle won 20-9. Both games were very low scoring. The Rams' defense, I trust. And Jared Goff, I'm telling you right now, I think it's idiotic that people are even saying, that people are even implying that the Rams should maybe start John Wolford over a healthy enough Jared Goff is idiotic. I posted a picture on the 10 after 7 Instagram account two weeks ago. When John Wolford came in, because he had, or this last week, when he had to come in to win that game against the Cardinals, he got it done. But I don't care how inconsistent the Rams' offense was this year, what you think of Jared Goff at this point. I've seen Jared Goff perform in playoff games. Go back to that game against the New Orleans Saints in the Superdome when the Rams were on their Super Bowl run. Todd Gurley was nonexistent. That's when we were asking Sean McVay questions. Is Todd Gurley hurt? What's going on? Did Todd Gurley get benched? And Jared Goff had to make big throws and big plays in that game, and he delivered. So there is no question of whether or not you should start Wolford over Jared Goff in this one. If Jared Goff's healthy enough, I don't even care if he's not healthy enough. If Jared Goff can suit up and at least throw the football 10 yards put him in the game, let him play. You're also getting Cooper Cup off the COVID list. You still have Aaron Donald uh, in the middle of that defense. You still have Jalen Ramsey on the outside. If you want to talk about the matchup between him and DK Metcalf, over the two matchups, he held him to eight catches, 87 yards. This will be a low scoring affair. It's going to come down to the fourth quarter and Jared Goff will have to make a couple of plays in this one. And if he can't then he can't but I know for damn sure that John Wolford wouldn't be able to win a playoff game because he's never been there before and the Seahawks are a good team obviously quarterback options if you want to talk about the two Russell Wilson you're going to you're putting the money where Russell Wilson is and the Seahawks defense we couldn't even have said this at all they were one of the historically worst defenses at the beginning of the year but they've averaged only 16 points per game allowed over the last eight contests That's not a small sample size. Jamal Adams, one of the most electric defensive players that I love to watch week in and week out, sideline to sideline, he's making plays. Something happened, that defense flipped a switch, and right now, my Super Bowl future pick when I picked at the beginning of the year was Seahawks Chiefs. It's looking pretty right now. The Seahawks are favored by three and a half points. I'm absolutely taking them in this game because I don't trust the Rams' offense and the Seahawks defense right there, you heard it, 16 points per game allowed in the last eight contests. That's enough Brady, to say they have Russell Wilson and a good defense. They're going to win this game. Minus three and a half Seahawks, hammer it. And the night cap on Saturday, Tom Brady. Listen, man, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. And, of course, they didn't have this matchup mapped out at the beginning of the year when Tom Brady, of course, got gift-wrapped, the NFC East champion, to go into their house in the first week because Tampa Bay, as an eight-point favorite, as the fifth seed, gets to go play the Washington football team in Washington as their first playoff matchup Saturday night. And you know what? Tampa is favored by eight points. And Washington did say Ron Rivera actually came out this week. And there's nothing I hate more than anything in sports when a coach says he's going to rotate quarterbacks. You're going to rotate quarterbacks at the NFL level. You're going to go Heineke and Alex Smith. I know Alex Smith's hobbled, but man, rotating quarterbacks at this level, uh uh-uh, uh, they don't have skill position players anywhere. Tampa Bay's favored by eight, but I am going to take the Washington football team plus eight points because they have a front four that can put pressure on Tom Brady and the one way that Tom Brady has been flustered throughout his career is when he gets pressure put on. And Montez, Sweat, and Chase Young, they're hungry and they can rush four and they can put pressure on teams. If there's one bright spot to even take away from Washington's football team, it's their front four. So I'm taking Washington plus eight. Yes, I don't feel great about it because rotating quarterbacks, like I said, is probably the dumbest thing you could do. But I'm putting my faith in the defensive end, Chase Young, who looks like he said it straight to the hall, which I said on draft day. If anyone's going to the Hall of Fame from this draft, it's Chase Young. And I don't care if it's one year, he looks phenomenal. So give me the Redskins plus eight. That's Saturday's game triple header saturday there you have it take the bills minus six and a half take the seahawks minus three and a half and take the washington football team plus eight because we don't like tom brady and we're definitely not rooting for tom brady on this podcast never will never have not happen let's move to sunday the seven-seed Chicago Bears will go into the Super Bowl to take on the Saints. And the big question in this one, will Alvin Kamara play? We know he's one of the most versatile players in all of football. He could do many things. He scored six touchdowns on Christmas. I think he won a lot of people fantasy games, fantasy leagues. I know he beat Ethan Searles pretty badly. I mean, when you wake up on Christmas morning and see that Alvin Kamara scored six touchdowns in your fantasy football season's over. That's a tough pill to swallow. But all I'm going to say is since 2000, teams to make the playoffs at 500 or worse are a perfect 7-0 against the spread in their first playoff game. So what does that tell us? The Bears barely snuck into the playoffs. They didn't even win their final game against the Green Bay Packers. They finally benched Nick Foles at some point during this season and went back to Mitch Trubisky. Mitch Trubisky looked good, but I don't think the Bears really played anyone that great. I I don't don't want to tell you right now. I don't want to tell you that the career of Drew Brees is going to end with a playoff loss to the Chicago Bears. I don't want to do it. The Saints are favored by 10 in this one. The Saints are 0-3 against the spread in the postseason over the last two years. And that's when I brought up that last step. Since 2000, let me say it again, teams to make the playoffs at 500 or worse are a perfect 7-0 and against the spread in their first playoff game. That's why we are taking the Bears, the 500 Bears. We are going to ride them 10 points in the Superdome against Drew Brees and the Saints. I don't think Drew Brees' career is ending this week. But I also will say I don't think it's ending with a Super Bowl win at the end of the day. Alvin Kamara plays. That's great. If he doesn't play, I still think the Saints win. But they sure as hell are not covering 10 points because it just doesn't go in their favor. 500 or worse, 7-0. First playoff game. So give me the Bears plus 10. And then here we go. There's a lot. This is probably the biggest news coming out this week. The Browns going into Pittsburgh on Sunday night. We all know that COVID has hit hard. They've hit teams hard this year. But the Browns probably got it at the worst possible time. They'll be without their head coach, Kevin Stefanski, probably the front runner for Coach of the Year. They're going to be without him on Sunday night, and Baker Mayfield and that offense is going to have to figure it out with Alex Van Pelt, offensive coordinator, calling the plays. I think, I don't know the importance. Obviously, I'm not indoors to see what goes on. I know if you lose your play caller, it's going to be a tough sledding going forward, but I I don't think the Browns' offense is that complicated. I think that Alex Van Pelt probably knows the ingredients because we know the ingredients what makes the Browns successful. Running the football is the number one thing. So if you're Kevin Stefanski, I'm sure Alex Van Pelt knows let's get the ball to Chubb. Let's get the ball to Kareem Hunt. Let's have a lot of third and shorts. Let's have a lot of second and passing downs. The Browns right now are three-point dogs and there are six-point dogs in this one obviously this is another divisional matchup teams very familiar with each other and losing your offensive coordinator might be tough a lot of us soured on the Pittsburgh Steelers obviously because they went one and four to end the season after starting 11 and 0 and Big Ben will this be his last year can he go out on top Who would you rather see go out on top? This is actually just a sports question to the people listening. Who would you rather see want to go off into the sunset as a Super Bowl champion? Drew Brees or Big Ben Roethlisberger? I feel like there's not many Big Ben fans out there at all, if any. I know he's got two Super Bowls. Drew's got one. But if I were to say if I want anyone to go out on top, it's probably Drew Brees. Because the Steelers have also an annoying fan base. And they're six-point favorites now, listen, they have Mike Tomlin, the most successful coach probably in the NFL outside of Bill Belichick. And with the Browns losing their offensive, or offensive play caller, and we're all rooting for the Browns. I'm sure we are all rooting for the Browns in this one. But I think Mike Tomlin is going to turn a corner with this football team. And I think you have to take the Pittsburgh Steelers minus six. I think it's going to be a defensive battle obviously TJ Watt led the NFL in sacks this year with 15 the Browns have Miles Garrett on the other side going to put pressure on Big Ben but the skill level that the Pittsburgh Steelers have I think you have to take them in this game obviously they weren't a good football team at the end of the year but Mike Tomlin and the Pittsburgh Steelers don't like the Browns they played them in week 17 most of their starters sat they're healthier the Browns had to have their guys go forward in that game give me the Pittsburgh Steelers minus six And that's the nightcap. I actually skipped the first game Sunday. That'll be the Ravens versus the Titans. The Titans have had their number recently. You could go back to the last wild card matchup last year. They made Lamar Jackson look very suspect. And he was the the MVP of the league. Derrick Henry, you get him going downhill, you're screwed. But the Ravens look good lately. And you know what the big thing about the Ravens? The Ravens really haven't been talked about enough and I think that was a good spot to be because at the beginning of the year a lot of people had them as favorites a lot of people weren't pretty they weren't going to ride that too long because they looked pretty suspect at the beginning of the season but the Ravens are 5-0 and straight up and against the spread since Lamar Jackson recovered from COVID-19 they've rushed for 1,337 yards in that time which is the most of any five game span in the Super Bowl era Tennessee upset Baltimore 28-12 as a 10-point road underdog last year. I mean, I remember where I was watching that game. The Ravens just couldn't get anything going. The only difference is, Tennessee probably has the worst defense in football. And the Ravens are hot. And Lamar Jackson has Hollywood Brown going for him. That's been a hot duo late. They got a rookie running back in J.K. Dobbins. And they also have Mark Ingram. I think the Ravens are going to be able to run the football against this defense. The Ravens are favored by three and a half and I'm not going to take it. All that being said, I'm not going to take it. Because I think Derrick Henry, I think if the Titans limit the possessions that the Ravens are able to have, they're going to be able to run the football, control the clock. This is going to be a Titans game. And I think the Titans cover that spread and win this game. They're going to be a road dog win. They actually, they're actually they actually not on the road. I screwed that one up. They're the fourth seed against the fifth seed Ravens. Titans at home. They won the division. That's right. Give me Derrick Henry and the Titans. They won the last two against the Ravens. The Ravens are hot, but I'm just not going. I cannot take the Ravens against the Titans. So there you have it, all six games. Let me go through them one more time for you. The first game on Saturday morning, you take the Bills minus six and a half over the Colts. And then on Saturday afternoon, you look at your screen, you see Russell Wilson, and you say, I'm taking the Seahawks minus three and a half in this one. And then on Saturday night, you do see Tom Brady on your screen, but you look at Chase Young and go, you know what? That guy's a, he's a behemoth. It's an eight-point spread. I'm taking the Washington football team, the NFC East, because as crazy as last year was, Washington football team is going to be able to cover this spread on Saturday night. And then when we get to Sunday morning, you take Derrick Henry and the Titans at plus three and a half. And then Saturday afternoon, you look at Drew Brees and the uh, Saints. And either if Alvin Kamara is playing or not, you say, you know what, we're taking the Bears plus 10. And then on Sunday night, when we're all balled out, you get Browns-Steelers, a great rivalry. You see the Browns in the playoffs for the first time and you immediately say, we can't trust them. You just can't trust the Brownies in the playoffs. The Steelers been there. Yes, they play down to their opponent, but hammer the Steelers minus six and that's how you win money. If you want to fade me, go ahead and do it. But maybe 2020 is something new for me. Maybe I actually become the guy that you don't fade and you absolutely hammer his picks. And let's talk a little bit about the national champion. Who do we root for in this one? We, they are the hated ones. And they're the hated ones because probably I'm a bitter Southern California fan. USC's been in the gutter for what seems like 20 years now. And as USC went in the gutter, Alabama took control. They've been on top of the college football world. They pump out first-round picks at a highest rate than we've ever seen. They got the Heisman winner, Devontae Smith. They got a quarterback named Mack Jones. And they just win too damn much. Nick Saban seems grumpy all the time. We just don't like Alabama. And we simply just don't like the SEC. We think that football out here on the West Coast delivers the best athletes and it's the best brand of football. We're probably going to take that to our grave. It's probably not a smart thing to do because we know the SEC breeds and lives football. But that's just the case. And then we don't like Ohio State because we think they're probably the most annoying fan base in college. I compare Ohio State to the Dallas Cowboys of college football. I think they're overhyped every single year. If they're talked about, the, the way the Ohio State Buckeyes are talked about, they should be winning at the rate as the Alabama Crimson Tide. Are. That's how I feel about it. And we never liked Jim Trestle in his ugly-ass sweater mess. And then when they won in 2014, we did like Cardell Jones, I could say that, but we didn't like Ezekiel Elliott with his pot belly saying, feed me every two seconds. So when it comes to Ohio State and Alabama, we are going to root for Ohio State simply off the fact that Justin Fields made Dabo Sweeney's fraud ass eat his words. He had an amazing, one of the best college football performances in the semifinals when he had six touchdowns. And they made Clemson look like an amateur football team. And Dabo Sweeney, who voted Ohio State the number 11th ranked team in the country weeks before that, had to eat his words. And Dabo just chirps too much. Listen, man, we liked you for a hot second when you knocked Alabama off the pedestal, but you started to talk a little bit too much for our liking, and you need to be put back in place. So, yes, we're going to go for Justin Fields and Ohio State. The spread is at minus eight. We're going to root for Ohio State, but I'm telling you right now that Alabama's going to cover that minus eight spread. I hope it's a close game because we like close football games, especially in the national championship. But Devontae Smith is going to have another big game. He absolutely shit kicked the death out of Notre Dame, scoring three touchdowns in that one. And Justin Fields, how healthy can he be? Because I thought he had his kidney lacerated on that hit against Clemson and he somehow came back from the dead after a couple of shots of what? who knows what and they ended up winning the game. So for Ohio State, Hammer, Alabama. Man, we're going to get one of the best football weekends this weekend, and I'm ready for it. I'm going to be bloated for probably three weeks after this one. And if you want to talk about the NBA, listen, the NBA just got started a couple of days before Christmas. I don't think there's anything to take from it yet. I've watched a lot of the Laker games. They look like the odds-on favorite they added Mark Gasol, Dennis Schroeder, Montrez Harrell, Anthony Davis, and LeBron James. you got to applaud them because they almost play every night if they're healthy enough to play. And when you look at the Clippers on the other side, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, when do they play together? They did last night against Golden State. Paul George has had some amazing games. I watched him play against the Phoenix Suns. He was got chirped a little bit. But at the end of the day, Paul George absolutely had a night against the Phoenix Suns. He wasn't missing anything. Philadelphia Sixers look good. There's some surprise teams. The New York Knicks are on a three-game winning streak. If you want to talk about Julius Randle, he was the top pick for the Lakers last, I don't know, five years ago, it seems like. Um, MLB. Some news in the MLB. A huge trade. Thursday morning. Francisco Lindor, supposed to be a free agent in the coming year, was traded from the Cleveland Indians to the New York Mets. That's a blockbuster deal. The Mets have new ownership, and if their new ownership came in and made a stamp on what they're about to do, they just did it. And that's where it all starts. I mean, the Will Ponds put the Mets in the gutter for God knows how long. And Steve Cohen, billionaire owner, he actually bid on the Dodgers when they were up for sale. Things went sideways, and the Guggenheim group came in, and they put their stamp on it. And years later, the Dodgers are actually World Series champs. They're still on an eight-division title winning streak. So the Mets fans right now today have to be happy that Steve Cohen went out and got Francisco Lindor because he's a five-time All-Star. He's only 27 years old. They're going to lock him up long-term. And their pitching staff, as we speak, has Jacob deGrom, Marcus Stroman, Noah Syndergaard, and they also got Carlos Carrasco in the deal. So the NL East, you're getting a new look at Mets, and it all starts with the guy that bought their team this past year, Steve Cohen. But this guy's not afraid. Dodgers are still the top dog. There's some stuff to talk about with the Dodgers. Justin Turner wants a four-year deal. He's 36 years old. I'm not sure he gets it, especially with the universal DH not being implemented in the National League. DJ Lemayhu, there's interest there and if the Dodgers are going to make a splash this offseason please and thank you sign DJ Lemayhu to whatever the hell he wants because he was a 364 hitter last year he was a top finalist for the MVP that guy flat out just hits And one of the best quotes, the Starting Nine podcast on Bardstool, it's a baseball podcast. I listened to Luke Voigt interview a couple of months ago, and he said he loves DJ LeMahieu basically because he doesn't talk much. He's just a guy that gets up every day, throws a dip in, goes to the field, and just plays ball. And the Dodgers add in another guy, MVP candidate, and that's the guy? Please sign DJ LeMahieu up. But that's all we have for today's podcast. I gave you my picks. Fade them as you do. And follow me on Twitter at 10 after 7 or on the Instagram at 10 underscore after underscore 7. Thank you for tuning in. I'm out. Woo! Go Dodgers.